to episode 37 of the Retrospectors podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined as always by my co-host James Turlings. James, you ready to dive back in time even further than we've ever gone before? Yeah, back to, uh, is it 1986 I believe? Yeah, so this fortnight we both played through Castlevania. The original Castlevania, not one of the hundreds of sequels that came afterwards. First released in 1986 for the uh, Famicom system, which I'm sure basically no one has ever heard of. It was a Nintendo console before the smash hit that was the NES. Uh, it was released on the far more popular NES the very next year in 1987, but it was originally released in 1986. So James and I have never done a game this old before. Uh, before this, the oldest game we did was Police Noughts, which I think was 91 or 92. Oh, we did Chrysalis, which is 1990. But this is the uh, furthest we've gone back. And really, this game is about 10 years from before our gaming childhoods. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, if this well-renowned classic has truly stood the test of time. I'm almost uh, surprised uh, that we haven't gone this far back yet. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like when we first started this show, we were more doing games of our childhood. But I think that, you know, as we progress, we're going to keep reaching further and further back. <laughs> hmm, maybe we should actually play some real retro games on uh, the Retrospectives podcast. <laughs> well, hopefully we're never forced to do something like Pong or Space Invaders. I'll consider that a failure. <laughs> I don't really want to do an hour and a half show on the gameplay mechanics of Pong, but uh, <laughs> Castlevania is just fine. Here on the show, what James and I do is we both play through a classic or highly renowned or sometimes a niche title of the past, at least 15 years or so old, usually closer to 20. And then we have an in-depth discussion on this show and we try to answer the question whether these classic titles have truly stood the test of time. Are they still worth playing today or are they just good games in the context in which they were released? And at the end of the episodes, we'll give you a final answer on whether Castlevania is well worth your time to play. So um, I'd love to jump right into the discussion, but firstly, uh, we'll quickly go over a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, so... The way I played Castlevania is that I played on a emulator called Nestopia because I completely forgot that uh, Chrysalis was a NES game and not a Super <laughs> Nintendo game. So I downloaded a new emulator for absolutely no Despite reason. Despite having one already, yes. Um, and I also emulated this game on FCEUX. Um, you can get a you know, you can pay money for this game if you want. I think the easiest way currently is to shell out $30 for the Castlevania collection on the Nintendo Switch. Um, but I think before that, the next best way was on the 3DS, and I think their eShop has gone down since then. Um, so, you know, 30 bucks for this game, otherwise... Um, obtain a ROM from somewhere. It's funny, the guilt levels go down the um, the older the game is, and at 34 years old, I don't feel too bad <laughs> obtaining uh, <laughs> Castlevania, the original. So, James, um, if there's nothing else, let's jump straight into the discussion, because this is a very interesting game to cover. There's a, there's a few ideas I want to explore over the course of this episode. Firstly, quick premise of Castlevania. So um, there's no real story to speak of in Castlevania, but I found a copy of the original manual online 
And basically, you play as Simon Belmont, who's a vampire hunter, and your ancient enemy is Count Dracula. You go to Dracula's castle with the aim of killing him, but you have to fight through all of the evil random uh, horror monsters on your way up to the Count. I'm pretty sure most Castlevania games have the same story. Um, Symphony of the Night, which we did for episode 4, has slightly more nuance to it. But in this, it's uh, you're playing guy with a whip trying to slay Dracula. And honestly, that's fine. This kind of game uh, doesn't need an in-depth story. You're just there to kill every single thing in the castle. Usually, uh, we like to start this uh, show by rambling on and off about the story for a good 40 minutes before quickly skimming through the gameplay details. So um, where did you want to start without uh, our usual option? Well, yeah, I guess we'll just jump straight into the gameplay because there's not much to say about the story. Like in a game like Doom, you're just murdering everything in the location. And honestly, for video games, that's that's generally good enough for me. If if they uh, if they let me loose and kill everything, and that's really all this game is. I think um I think the thing I want to start with, um, as we often start with, is the controls. Because James, the controls in this game and how this game controls, I think is straight up terrible. Okay. So let me let me explain to the audience a little bit of how you control Simon Belmont. Basically, Simon Belmont has zero air acceleration or control on his jumps. The only platforming controls are left, right, and uh, and crouch, and you have a jump. If you press jump, you do a standing jump with no uh, aerial control whatsoever. You just jump straight up in the air and you come straight down and you can't alter the way in which you fall or move yourself while you're in the air at all. The other two jumps you can do are a left jump or a right jump. And those are jumps that go a preordained distance every single time. So once again, there's absolutely no air control and there's no holding down the button for a longer jump. So immediately when I was playing this game, James, just talking about the controls in that sense, mm. it felt felt very clunky and frustrating to me for me to use. Because when I play platformers, having control over my character is, you know, the most essential thing. Yep. And I think that the limited ways in which you can control Simon uh is a real flaw in this game and is a massive detriment to just enjoying the general flow of the gameplay. Yeah, so I did notice that you have very little air movement available to you in this game. And kind of for me, what that really means is that the game is very unforgiving to your mistakes. You know, like usually in a platformer, if you make a jump and you, you know, you kind of, you kind of jumped at the wrong spot, you can almost turn around in the air and go back to the platform that you're on. This game kind of locks you into your decisions. Like if you make a decision to press a button in this game, the game makes you answer the consequences for it there is no going back ever um and that actually really contributed to this game for me having quite a high difficulty level but do you think it's a bad thing that you lack that control or do you think that it's just a different way of doing things um it does feel bad having played games with more control like for example we played symphony of the night for episode four as you said mm -hmm. and one of the things that we kind of heavily praised was how responsive a la carte controls in that game and you definitely don't get that it feels extremely stiff and clunky um to begin with but i don't think at the end of the day 
it was a huge like it was a huge mark on the game for me um i found that once i kind of you know resigned myself to my fate a bit you know i kind of appreciated the fact that it made you really think out your decisions before committing to them the thing is i uh, like in castlevania symphony of the night and later in hollow knight and also a game i've been playing a lot recently called a thousand and one spikes having that control over your character while they're in the air just feels so important to the platforming experience for me like particularly when castlevania uh, has lots of obstacles and enemies to dodge on different planes it would have been so nice to be able to control my character to accurately dodge between those projectiles instead of what often happened which was me awkwardly stumbling into them and i think that it's not simply a matter of getting good because i I think that if Uh, obstacles are coming from the floor and roof at awkward angles and spawning off screen quickly that you should have more agency in your ability to dodge those projectiles and i just feel with these limited control set i wasn't given the agency to do so and it felt particularly pronounced in some of the boss fights okay so I kind of want to go over the general like um, progression structure of this game before getting into um, the level of difficulty that's present in this game, because I think that's a big topic to discuss. Sure. Um, so generally, you know, when you're playing through Castlevania, you'll spawn on a floor, um, and it's a game where you move, you just simply move from left to right. Uh, it's a two D platformer. It honestly, doesn't have that much platforming in it. It's got a little bit, but the most most of the challenges come from the enemies you encounter throughout the game, um, and they start off fairly simple. Like when you're on the first floor, you're simply walking towards the right in this big, you know, entranceway to the castle. And, you know, some zombies will walk at you from the right side of the screen. And Simon has available to him a an attack, which is his whip. Um, and the whip basically, you know, comes out in front of him in a straight line. And you can upgrade the length of the whip um, by picking up these two upgrades, which you can find in each which level. Which are bow and arrows for some reason. Yeah, no, they're, they're, cha- they're definitely whips. Um, oh, are they? Oh yeah, no, no, I, I, I can see it now. I always thought it was a bow and arrow. Oh my but God. I can, I can see why it would be a whip. Yeah, because it's kind yes. of curved around. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's got the handle. Oh my God. <laughs> so picking up the whips, um, and you can have up to two of these, makes your whip a bit longer. So you actually have quite. You don't really have like a ranged attack, but you have a huge range on your fully extended attack. So you, you know, you you jump and you hit things in the air, or you press the button and you hit things in front of you it's pretty simple um there's stairs to climb and things to jump on and at the end of every level um there's a boss fight now how hard did you find this game patrick this game is insanely hard and i have to admit that i use save states to get through it and i don't think i i think that it would have taken me an extremely long time to get through this game without save states yes i agree this game does get very difficult um but i don't think it's extremely hard to begin with no sorry i would say that the point where it really became difficult was uh the stage four boss uh eiger and um frankenstein yes Uh, yeah i mean everything 
everything after that, I felt the difficulty just kind of ramped super high up. That that that's when I started using save states. Yeah, so I I actually agree with you. Um, that was my experience as well. Um, Castlevania, as you said, is an extremely difficult game later on. But uh, one thing that I think is actually a big point in its favour is that I think a lot of the difficulty is extremely fair in this game. Uh, there is basically no situations in this game where I felt like I took damage where it wasn't my fault. Even if these situations were so hard that I probably couldn't have, you know, gotten good at them unless I had spent hours and hours and hours that I don't have uh, trying to get better on them. Um, you know, once I'd beaten the game, um, and I'd been, I made a point to beat Dracula, you know, from start to finish without, you know, doing any cheating bullshit. Yeah, me too. Me um, too. After I beat Dracula, I booted up the game again the next day and managed to get to the end of that level that you mentioned, the Igor fight, uh, without dying, so I was significantly better at the game the second time through than I was the first, where I would die, you know, I had died a lot up until that point. I'm not sure if fair is the word I'd use with okay. with some of these boss fights. Like I said earlier, I think your planes of interaction, which is you can throw your whip left or right, and the locking you into particular jump lengths means that sometimes you can take unavoidable damage, particularly in the boss fights when projectiles are being spammed in random locations. And I understand that you can speedrun this game, but a lot of that speedrunning involves kind of like insta-killing bosses as they're spawning in. <laughs> so I don't know if it's possible to do every single boss fight, like extended boss fight taking zero damage just because of the rng involved in a lot of the fights yeah um so you mentioned insta killing bosses as a speedrunning technique so um i i must be a speedrunner in this game patrick because i insta killed at least like three of them using holy water i don't know if you had that experience because uh in castlevania there's an item system where you know you'll hit a breakable object in the environment and an item will drop out for example you can pick up a knife which you can then throw in front of you as a ranged attack and it kind of works as a resource system there's little hearts that drop um from breaking objects and you know if you have 10 hearts that means you can throw your your knife 10 times and you know the stronger ones like stopping time use five hearts instead um, and one of the items is called holy water which leaves a little kind of puddle of holy fire on the ground um, and many of the bosses are really really vulnerable to getting stun locked from full health to death by having holy water on them for the entire fight i don't know if you had that experience so here's what happened james um i got hard stuck on the fifth boss fight of the game the second last which is death and I'd gone into the death boss fight. I'd done a, you know, a save state just before the boss. And um, I tried that boss fight for one hour. <laughs> I spent an entire hour trying to kill him. I had axes as my secondary weapon. And I, um, I died in three hits because I'd lost like one. I'd been hit once on that floor yeah. after finding a health item. And I spent one hour trying to kill him and I could not kill him. So I had to restart the entire floor. I found the holy water because I read online like how the hell do you beat this guy? And <laughs> uh and then I used the holy water to cheese him and kill him almost immediately. 
Yeah. Now, my question is: Firstly, did you did you kill Death with the Holy Water, or did you kill him like legitimately over you know a two minute boss fight, dodging and killing all his sides? Um, I don't know what Death's attacks look like because um, the the hardest thing on that floor for me was the section immediately before him which mm-hmm. is this long corridor that has these knights that throw axes but also there are these like um these enemies that fly in like a sine wave pattern up and down Medusa and across heads. the screen yeah um and you kind of have to dodge both of them at the same time and i was just like not good enough to do- like it took me like an hour or so to get through that section and then i just happened to have the holy water um so i did just holy water him to death straight away I actually want to talk about that section a bit, but but firstly, with death, uh, do you actually... So, to me, that was ridiculous, that boss fight, because what he does is he spawns scythes all around you, and they, they come at you from all angles as yeah. he bounces around the room, and you take... And I die in three hits, and the scythes are flying at you from all angles, from the floor and the roof... You can only whip left or right, and you can only jump in specific increments left or right. I'm sure it's possible to do that fight, but holy shit, James, it's it's <laughs> so hard without having control of your character. And all I could think while doing this fight was that if I just had a normal jump, like a Mario jump, which is a game that released before Castlevania, if I, if I was controlling my character like Mario... I would have been able to dodge through these sides far more effectively. Even if I was still restricted to my my wit being left or right, I would have been able to dodge them and it would have been a really fun fight. Instead, it was so frustrating and it felt impossible to do, I guess, sustained damage over a long time and I felt like I had to cheese him with holy water. And to me, that is not good boss design. When... When the best way to beat the boss is to completely avoid the boss fight, that's a that's a serious mark against the um the design of the boss. I knew this topic was going to come up at some point. Um, let's go to your favorite game of all time, according to this podcast, Dark Souls, because sure. we talk about it almost every episode. So, so Dark Souls is one of Patrick's favorite games, and we bring it up like over and over and over again because he thinks it's the pinnacle of game design. Correct. And so I am. Um, I often I love bringing it up to use against him in these thrilling arguments of ours. Um. One of the things that I did many times throughout my first playthrough of Dark Souls was to completely cheese bosses with really underhanded tactics because I wasn't good enough to beat them the first time. We've said back on the show a lot of times that we think the ability to cheese certain bits of the game actually makes the game more fun. So I'm kind of surprised that you don't like it here. There, it can be fun to skip parts of levels. Uh, for example, in Quake, which is which is a kind of cheesing that that I can get behind. Yeah. But to me, boss fights should be. I don't know. In a lot of ways, I view boss fights as the highlight of the game. Like yeah. the boss fights should be pushing you to the edge, and and they should be adrenaline rushed fights that uh that f- you feel triumphant after conquering and sure. i think that- it's hard for me to to argue about this boss because i didn't actually see its attack patterns um sure. with the scythes that it threw out were you able to hit them with your with your chain to kind of yes. create an opening you can you could definitely kill them but what happens is death kind of bounces around the room so he'll be on the bottom left then he'll go to the top right 
and the sides keep spawning at random locations on the room. So there'll be some up high, some down low. And there's um, a platform in the middle, um, like at a medium height. So you're yeah. not on the floor for the fight. You're on this medium platform and the sides are spawning below you. So the furthest I got was... And what you have to try and do is, as the sides are coming up from the floor, you have to jump over them. But when you're jumping, you need to not jump into the sides that are coming above you. And you need to keep whipping any sides you can. And death keeps bouncing down to the middle, creating a huge obstacle as well. It was just too much to to easily handle all at once. Uh, when you only have three points of life essentially and you can only take damage three times well let's talk about the dracula fight then because that's but before we before we do that i would just wanted to duck back on that corridor fight uh just as a contrasting point because i actually think that that specific corridor fight is the best part in the entire game i really enjoyed that that's literally my least favorite part of the entire game. I think it's horse shit. So, um, so the, the thing about that whole situation is that I think it really plays to the game's strength because it doesn't okay. require any jumping at all. You're literally, what? all you need to do is move left or right. Because the thing about those Medusa heads is if they go right above your head, they'll just kind of zoom over your head without you jumping at all. Yeah. So the entire... That that extended corridor fight is you kind of constantly going left and right, finding the sweet spot with the Medusa heads, while also finding the correct range at which to whip the um, Axe Knights and kill their axes as well. And it was very satisfying for me to overcome it. So that's how I felt that that fight should have gone. But for me, every time I tried to do it, basically what would happen would be there would be an axe coming at me which I need to hit with my weapon in order to stop it hitting me. Mm. But at the same time, if I hit the axe, uh, I'll be locked into this animation long enough for one of the heads to hit me at the same time. And like, I found that the axes always came out at really awkward times where I couldn't control myself. Because like, the goal should be that I'm in a spot where I know a a head's not going to hit me, bait Mm. out an axe, and then move forward into the next spot that the the head is in but i tried for so long and just could not do it um when i got through that section i basically had to cheese the whole thing with saves i, I actually could not beat that section. oh really yeah no yeah. no i am um, i saved at the start and then i saved after i got through it and don't get me wrong it took me a long time to overcome that that challenge but i actually really enjoyed it um the finding constantly going left and right and finding that sweet spot while doing a few whips and then moving forward again. There's a section a bit earlier where there are some respawning uh, red skeletons and an axe knight backing up, which is kind of like an easier version of the same thing. And once again, yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I think that when this game becomes about projectile spam is when I hate it. When, when it's more, when it's more simple and there's no jumping required and it's more about finding that timing on enemies, I enjoyed it a lot more. So I just wanted to say, like, I didn't hate every gameplay aspect of this game, but that that that's that's a really good example of something I like and it seems like you didn't like it at all. <laughs> no, I fucking hated that section. Um, I thought uh, it was awful. Whereas, like... Um... 
after it got a lot harder after the was the Jekyll and Hyde for, or Frankenstein and you know the the double boss. Yeah, Frankenstein um, and Iger. Yeah. Fra- Frankenstein and Iger. After that section, um, my enjoyment of the game took a huge nosedive until I got to Dracula, um, which was a boss fight. I actually had a love hate relationship, but by the time that I ended up beating him, I actually really enjoyed. You said you hated the death fight, so how did you feel about Dracula? I felt that he was actually very fair in comparison to a couple of the other bosses in the game. I thought the Dracula fight was great. Um, yeah. Once again, very very difficult and requires very precise timing. But in a way, I far prefer that. There's um, there's a lot less projectile spam. He kind of does a predictable projectile that is very difficult to avoid at first. But once you get the timing once down Once you get for the it, hang of it, yeah, yeah it's great. It, it's satisfying to dodge. Because um, in the boss room, there's this holy water you can grab. One of the things that I was doing to begin with was um, timing throwing a holy water with him throwing his projectiles and if you do it right you can kill all three of the projectiles with the water but then you know as i practiced more i eventually didn't need to use that technique because i could just jump over them and hit him in the head anyway and that's what it's all about it's about lining up that jump whip over the projectiles to hit him in the head yeah and in that section i really didn't have a problem with the the jump controls because like the boss fight was very specifically designed around what you had available to you as a player um and so i never felt like i needed anything else um than what the game gave me and for the most part i felt that the game did a good job of that so i'm not as low on the controls as you are um i think if you design around what's available then that's all right i do accept that this game was designed around its controls except what about didn't you ever have enemies coming up from the floor or the sky at you at any point and get very frustrated at the way you could only whip left or right? Yeah, occasionally. Um, I, I generally found that because because the game, pl- like when you spawn, the game plays out the same every time up until like you've taken enough actions to like kind of diverge the path. Mm-hmm. If you do the exact same actions every time, like if you had a bot press the same buttons the same time everywhere, um, the level will basically play out the same way every time, apart from maybe some of the enemies. Like I think the skeletons are a bit randomized, but like a lot of the behaviors are very, very predictable. The difficulty in this game is quite high and it's not as reactive as i'm used to in more modern games it's very you kind of have to like fail a lot of times learn enemy patterns here and then like preempt what enemies are gonna do so you don't lock yourself into unavoidable damage because i think if you play right you can basically avoid all instances of unavoidable damage in this game and it's like when you make a mistake it's not it's not like i made a mistake i immediately get hit It's like you make a mistake and then three seconds later you're put in this situation that you can't avoid because of that mistake three seconds ago. And it's really hard to learn from these mistakes because you're not instantly given feedback from them. Um, I'm not sure if you found that, but for example, in the Dracula fight, after you jump over his projectile, which he shoots, he does this, like he disappears from the screen and then three seconds later he reappears. 
And right at the start of me doing the fight, I found that he would teleport on top of me all the fucking time, and it felt like there was no way for me to avoid that. But by the end of the fight, like, when I eventually beat him, I was getting hit by that a lot less, and I cannot, for the love of God, tell you what I was doing differently to not get hit by that shit. But, like, I must have learnt it instinctively, right? There must be some trick to it that I, you know, instinctively picked up on. I thought it was just moving. Like, if you if you were moving, he would teleport, like, right behind you. Or, you know, he, he'd teleport near you. But I, I agree, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I still got hit by it occasionally until eventually... I was, like, moving left to right in a certain way that he wouldn't do that. I, I can't tell you why, but when I finally beat him, I only got hit once, and then he turned into phase two and died to holy water from full health again. Yeah, so so basically, a lot of the difficulty comes from the fact that you have to memorize the levels, right? Um, yes. But, and I think that that is true. You, you memorize enemy behaviors, and you come up with strategies to deal with them. Like, another example is... Um, there's a section where you're just going along a straight line and all these eagles keep flying by and dropping yes. flea men to attack you. And yep. once I developed a strategy of timing the whip to kill the flea men as they were midair or just landing, I was able to get through the whole thing. But it caused me a lot of trouble at first. How do you feel about this kind of difficulty, Patrick? Because usually I really like when things are hard, but like there's some semblance of a chance of you beating it the first try. I feel like once you get past the halfway point of this game and it really it pulls the kid gloves off like in a big way. Like it goes from being a fucking cakewalk to being like a nightmarishly difficult game. At that point, like, especially at the clock tower, it just becomes extremely frustrating. Basically random. It's like... <laughs> um, I, it's I not random, but it feels no, no, like it. I, yeah. I know it's not random, but it feels like you're just doing actions until you find a sequence that works. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that um, basically there are areas in which the difficulty feels uh, artificially inflated because of a couple of mechanics in this game. Um, the major one is the scarcity of health pickups and the yes. fact that all the health pickups are in secrets. You'll die in about four or five hits in this game. It slightly depends on what enemy is damaging you. But all of the items that restore your health are not hidden in the objects scattered around the castle or after you kill enemies. They're in hidden secrets in specific locations. So yep. if you're just playing through the game without really knowing about these secrets, you might find three or four of them in the entire run through if you're lucky. So not only do you need to, you know, memorize it and avoid damage, any time you take damage has cascading consequences because you're probably not going to get that health back. So when you get to that boss fight, if you've only got enough health to survive one or two hits, you're almost definitely going to die, right? So you kind of have to do the levels near perfectly a lot of the time. Yeah, I didn't really have a problem at finding health pickups. Like once I, I actually found the first one in the first level and after I found that I was checking like every fucking breakable wall in existence hoping to try and find some more. So I thought I had a pretty good grasp of getting health back throughout the levels. There wasn't a lot of it. There was, you know, one or two pieces so you'd have enough to sustain. I really, there's something I really, really, really fucking hated about this game. Something I was very happy about um, was that this game has checkpoints. So every time you beat a boss, you get a checkpoint 
you know, at the start of the next floor of the castle. And then throughout that floor, there are some like mini checkpoints where like you'll get three rooms in and then if you die after that third room, you'll respawn at the third room. However, if you die like four times, it'll send you back to the start of the floor. When you respawn at a checkpoint, like not a hard respawn, but like a little one, you, you lose all the items you collected up until that point, and especially on that, like, that fifth floor where death was the boss, um, holy water can only be found at the start of the floor, so if you die before you get to death with the holy water, it's like, well, guess I'm suiciding so I can go get that holy water back and try again. Well, that's what happened to me. Like, I, I got there with the axes and it was impossible, so I just yeah. had to start the whole thing again. Yeah, I really fucking wish that it, like it remembered what you had when you got there at that checkpoint and let you start from that state again rather than making you start from zero. Like I think it's complete horseshit that it doesn't let you do that. See, I see it differently, James. I think it's a structural problem. It's not a problem that you respawn with nothing. It's a problem that the game demands that you have more. If sure. that boss fight was better designed or you had more control over your character, it wouldn't matter as much. You should be able to do the death boss fight with the axes just fine. And listen, I'm sure there are plenty of people who can do it. Like, I'm not saying it's literally impossible. There's clearly a way to do it. Of However, course, yeah. it was it was far too hard. Like, I, I, I don't think <laughs> that was a well-designed boss fight. I wouldn't call any game too hard as long as it's fair and i think this game is fair for the most part um i think that this game was too hard for me personally but i do think that there are people out there who would really appreciate this level of challenge my only real complaint about the difficulty is that the difficulty curve itself is fucking garbage like it goes from being baby's first platformer to tearing your arms off uh within like the space of a level i i really hated how sharply it jumped up to that level of difficulty i don't think it's quite as fair as you claim like i said i think that part of fairness is giving you an opportunity to react and the level of memorization required to get through most of the obstacles in this game goes too far. If you had more control of your character, and I know I keep harping on about it, but this is a platformer. So control of your character is essential to the entire experience. If you had more control of your character and you could more accurately react to the obstacles in front of you, it would be far less frustrating and it would be a lot fairer. Without that, it's just not not as fair. The level of memorization does at least mean that there's a good sense of progression here. Like, uh, the second time you play through this game, you'll be a god compared to the first time. That was my experience, at least. Like, I got to maybe, like, the third boss without taking damage on my third attempt through from the start of the game. So, uh, you, you do get a lot better, for, and it feels really good. Um, but, you know, in general, I agree. I would prefer a much more reactionary game than one that requires such a heavy level of uh, memorization. So, James. <laughs> we've been were we about yeah. to have a music break yeah <laughs> yeah we were both going into that yeah so um i was really impressed with this game's soundtrack at a number of points throughout the track um did you have a similar experience the music is excellent uh yeah. this is this is 10 out of 10 ness music i think that one of the things that really stands out is how strong all of the tracks are there's one or two that is slightly weaker, but it's good all the way through, and I enjoyed all of them. Um, should we start with your track, James, or mine? 
Yeah, let's start with mine because mine's simply the theme for the first level of the game and it is called Vampire Killer. Vampire Killer and it was a good one. The, the tracks in this game are really, I don't know, funky is that really kind of the word? The the composition's excellent even with the, you know, the reduced audio fidelity of the NES system. I found that, you know, I had to listen to most of the tracks a lot in this game because it was so difficult and I never once turned the sound off and usually with these old games you know they have these really short loops that get stuck in your head and it's awful like a mosquito buzzing around in there but this was really fun the whole way through. Yeah, it's it's excellent. Um, they've got. I I don't know if I'd use funky. I think that I'd like they were atmospheric, energetic, and had this call for an uh, adventure sort of feel. And yeah. there was a good transition um, as you move through the different locations in the castle. When you go to the um, underground area that has like connected to the sewers, it switches to a slightly moodier piece. And it goes to something a lot, a lot more grand, grandiose as you move to the final stages of Dracula's Castle. So it's still a NES soundtrack, so I would still rate Symphony of the Night's soundtrack above it. But, you know, I'd rate Symphony of the Night above like 99% of soundtracks. Yeah. But as, when it comes to NES music, this style of music, this is as good as it gets. This is... 10 out of 10, excellent, loved it from start to finish. I I agree with you that the music is the best part of this game. I was very impressed with it. Yeah, it was really good. I did um I did have one or two more things I wanted to touch on before we move to other aesthetic things, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So uh, these are just bits and pieces, but one of the things I wanted to touch on uh, that really annoyed me is uh, when you take damage in this game, you don't just... Uh, take a little bit of damage you get knocked back and let <laughs> no, me tell you going. <laughs> this was very frustrating and annoying when i was trying to platform i don't know yes. if you were you were as annoyed by this as i was it was incredibly infuriating to get hit by a bat only to be knocked into an instant kill <laughs> yep. um I I died many, many times um, near the middle of the game on these couple of platforms that had some skeletons jumping around on them. And skeletons mm. uh, skeletons throw their ribs at you. They're very the spooky. Hammer bros. Yeah, the hammer bros, effectively. And uh, yeah, I especially when you don't have the full-length chain and you're forced to try and engage them up close, 
Uh, yeah, you get knocked down a lot, and it's very infuriating, especially because after dying a couple times, you're sent back all the way to the start of a floor um, to do it again. And James, you know that death boss fight I was telling you with the scythes everywhere? Yeah. If one scythe hits you, you get knocked back into a random location, you're once again not necessarily going to be in a place where you can easily recover from the next wave of scythes that's headed, that are headed towards you. So... Once again, it was a situation where you lost control and it was, yeah, very, very annoying. Like I said, it's, it's, it feels it's... like um, one mistake always leads into another. Like, I feel yes. like when I talk Cascading. about fairness, yeah, I mean, the f like, it's fair up until the point that you take that, like, you make your first mistake and then, uh, and then the gloves are off and it's all downhill from there. Uh, especially with Dracula, I found that once I get hit the first time, I got, like, you know, stuck in those teleport situations a heap of times. But if I didn't get hit by the first one, super easy. Yeah, and, you know, see, I don't want to come across as a casual, so I'm kind of being self-centered, <laughs> you know. I mean, I... we both, uh, we both had to use saves to beat this game, where, uh, yeah. we're both... We're both not Castlevania experts here. But basically, the thing I'm worried about is that there's something I'm missing about Castlevania. Because obviously, I've played a lot of hard games in my life and got my ass kicked repeatedly and then eventually overcame the challenge. But along the way, it felt like I was, I don't know, like I, I was mastering a skill set. Like I was mastering dodging projectiles, for example. And playing this game, I never felt like I was mastering the dodging of projectiles. I certainly improved at it, but it just felt like I could never reach that stage of playing like a perfect god, you know, because I was so restricted with in terms of my actions. Like, I, I don't know how you're meant to get through that death fight, dodging and killing all the projectiles perfectly. I, I just I just don't. Um and I tried really hard to get to get an extended fight against death where I was slowly chipping away at his health and it was impossible. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think what you said about cascading failures is a, is a really is another really big problem. You have so few lives and it just takes a few to get absolutely ruined. So games were harder back in the day, James. It really was. And some people will like that. For me, it was a bit too hard. But, you know, I, I, I don't think difficulty is something that's like objectively good or bad either way. It's just going to be a preference thing for people. Um, and yeah, so one thing I do want to talk about, um, one of the points of this show is to kind of dissect things that have aged well or not so well throughout mm -hmm. the years. And there's something about this game that I don't think has aged very well and that is the point scoring system <laughs> um, a lot of old arcade games you know used these kind of point system to track how well you're doing at the game and i just honestly have no interest in that kind of thing these days um you know there a lot of the time you break an object um a hundred points drops out that gives you no benefit other than you know, making your score go higher. And there is a bunch of situations where you find these really obscure secrets that give a thousand points, but nothing else. And it just like, every time points dropped from a, like a candle, I felt cheated. Like that could have been, that could have been another use of the holy fire, right? Um, I just had no interest in it whatsoever. Well, the thing is, no one does. I, I think basically it's a, like you said, it's a historical legacy thing. Like the way that 
in arcades, the way you used to rate how good you were at a game was how many points you scored. But the thing is, when it comes to mastery over these old games, and, you know, a lot of modern ones as well, the primary way we do it is time. Like, speedrunning is a huge thing. And it, I'd actually, I've actually seen Summoning Salt's speedrun video on Castlevania. And, yeah, if, if you're looking to evaluate how well someone has played a game, it's usually the speedrunning. Like, how fast can you complete this game to the hundredths of a second? The score has become completely meaningless. No one uses yeah. score to evaluate it anymore. So I agree. It's just um, it's just a waste of space. Just that being dated. said, it, it didn't really harm my enjoyment of the game too much. No. It's just it's no, just as not. if nothing had dropped at all. Yeah, it's just it basically is a big nothing. Um, so, just imagine yeah. if instead of it dropping that though, it dropped an item that restored like a single bar of health. How much? How much easier better, would this game be? Well, it would have been easier, but I think it would have been better because it would have been. You know, that's not a lot of health. A hit will usually do three or four bars, but it would it have does been add enough. Up. Yeah, yeah, it would have added up, and it would have been so so much more satisfying. I think as you proceed through the game, if it just gave you a trickle of HP items, very annoying. It is very annoying. Um, so how long did it take you to beat this game overall, Patrick? Um, when we went into this i think our understanding is that it would take about three hours if we sucked um it definitely took me a little bit longer than that maybe like five and i i admit that i suck at this game it's very very difficult especially for a casual like myself it probably took me a little bit over five because i spent so long on that death fight and one eventually yeah. i was like i'm just i like how do you i looked up how to beat the boss and they said use the holy water and stun lock and i'm like all right restart the <laughs> floor get the holy water. yeah, and, yeah. and that's what i did and then i did the same with the death fight i got the holy water for a second form to help me kill second form a lot easier um yeah, I was so like, I, I, is... basically, I um, I get the feeling that you really like that death fight. Um, uh, dude, so... I'm just mad about it because the thing <laughs> is, it has so much potential, and the thing is, it's a fight that's been um, you know, Binding of Isaac. There's a fight against death, and he spawns yeah. the sides that attack you, and so it was kind of nostalgic for that reason. But like, even the fight against death, <laughs> it was in... nostalgic. Well, I was I was kind of I was sorry, I was looking forward to the fight because I knew that it had been referenced yeah. in one of my favorite games of all time. And the idea of it I think is really good and sound. It's a platformer and you're dodging projectiles, you know, getting in cheap shots on death when you can. It's it's a cool idea for a fight, but the mechanics are just not enjoyable. So Okay. That was my point where I'm like, this game is is not enjoyable <laughs> like just stupid <laughs> stupid fight i hate it so you didn't like the platforming controls but did you like the whip as a weapon um i actually really enjoyed it um because it allows you to like it gives you a bit of leeway um with distance it makes spacing interesting much more interesting than a ranged weapon um, and it also allows you to get really proficient at hitting those snapshots. I kind of, I almost feel like I would have preferred the tip do more damage. That way you kind of get rewarded for spacing properly. Mm. But overall, I, you know, really liked it. Um, I, I think it's really fun. I do as well. And w what you suggested is a really interesting idea. Uh, I, I think the whip's a great weapon. 
once again, you are very restricted. Uh, after playing um, Hollow Knight, I really like being able to slash up and down. And even yeah. having the option to slash diagonally uh, in this game with the whip would have been really cool. But my, I, I don't hate it as much. I, I think that if you'd been able to slash up and down, it would have been much more satisfying to like kill the enemies in the air above you and stuff. Yeah. But most of my... I'm happy for that to be like a constraining limit on this game. Like that's less of a problem to me than the movement. If, um, if the movement was good, but you could only whip left or right, I would have been kind of okay with it. The combination of not being able to kill things above and below you and the poor movement though was was very painful very frustrating yeah sure all right um i've actually gotten to the end of most of my notes already this was a really short game let's go to um my music break i know these are slightly poorly spaced out but i want to get <laughs> my music so poorly in there paced. <laughs> i want to so get my music in spaced there out. So, uh so uh here's um here's my my favorite piece of music Heart of Fire. Sorry, I just had to find it. It's called Heart of Fire. It plays, um, I think, on the on the death stage, which is all the more funny. But yeah, it's it's just a banger. Uh, I think the one James picked is really good as well. To me, that's kind of like the definitive Castlevania theme. But I hadn't really heard this one before, and um, it was a nice surprise to listen to. Like James, I um, I never got tired of having the music on, and I never turned it off, which is something I certainly can't say of a lot of the games we've played. So here is Heart of Fire. is actually the song i wanted to pick for the episode but patrick <laughs> insisted that it was his favorite song so it was my favorite song as well and um uh, i specifically played the bit in the middle which had this really you know enjoyable bit that patrick pointed out to me yeah i, I just want to make sure we included that um <laughs> but before we go james i wanted to briefly touch on the aesthetics like the graphics of this game <laughs> the, the first so the first thing i want to note uh before i get into the discussion is that i experienced some graphical glitches slash flickering really which okay. i believe is part of what how the nez presents its graphics i i think that this wasn't an emulator issue i just think this is what the nest looks like and i had a couple of issues where enemies were kind of wrapping on the screen like they'd be backing out the right side and appearing on the left side. It was very strange. So I don't know if you, before we like talk about the value and quality of the graphics, do you have that. any issues? 
Okay. Um, no, not really. The only issue that I had a couple times was there's this level that takes place underground, mm-hmm. and many times during that level, I actually confused the background and the foreground. <laughs> I did the same um, thing. The skulls. The, yeah, the skulls. Yeah, yeah, I thought you could jump on them, and it's actually just scenery, <laughs> and you fall to your death immediately. Oh, uh, the, the uh, other I, thing about that level. Sorry, this this isn't graphics, but. When talking about movement, one of the things in Mario and Hollow Knight and everything is that if you run in in a straight line off a platform, normally what happens in those games is you kind of have a bit of air acceleration as you fall. A bit of momentum, yeah. (laughs) So a bit of momentum. So the idea is that you can kind of run off a higher platform onto a lower one with a gap in between. (laughs) You cannot do that in Castlevania. You just drop like a rock, yeah. I (laughs) got caught out like that. (laughs) You just Uh, walk off and drop. And that that happened in that stage a couple of times. It's really unintuitive, hey. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I don't I don't like that at all. Uh it got me killed a lot, maybe that's why, but you know, a lot of modern games give you a bit of momentum and it makes sense, right? Um yeah. it feels very jank for that to happen and bad. Um but returning to the graphics again, um the only other game from this era that we really have played is Crystalis and I think that Crystalis looks a lot better than this game. Um, I think that Castlevania... Like, one of the things that really stood out to me was because both of us really liked the visual presentation of Symphony of the Night. It had this very unique, like, ballroom, elegant feel to it. Um, Everything was so delicate and beautiful to look at. Whereas Castlevania 1 is, like... The most generic take on, like, vampires and monsters that I've, you know, experienced in a while. There's just nothing exciting about the presentation in any way. Uh, I was very, very down on the in the visual department for this one. So I'm slightly higher on it than you. I think that basically a lot of the uh, backgrounds, uh, particularly in the outside areas, were quite well drawn. And I enjoyed that kind of aesthetic. I think that the staircases, the walls, and in particular the platforms that you jump on, you know how there are some moving platforms? And they're just like squares. They're just squares. It looks so (laughs) strange. It looks so bad. Just incredibly low, basic, basic shapes uh, that make up certain parts of the castle. Also, the fact that you went through the entire game and thought that the whip pickups were bows because you couldn't really tell what they were. (laughs) Listen... I can see them as whips now. I wasn't paying close attention. I was just like, wow, this game's fucking weird. Why are bows upgrading my whip? Well, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. It's a 50-50 between it being the game's fault and Patrick being retarded. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But, like, especially some of the enemies, you know, the, um, I think it was the flea men, I think it was. I thought they were frogs for like the entire game until I looked up what they were called. Um, so I immediately identified them because we've done symphony of the night before and pretty much every single enemy in this game is also in symphony of the night. I don't remember the flea men at all. Dude, the flea men was so fucking annoying. How can you not remember them? (laughs) They jumped around everywhere. (laughs) Maybe it's blocked them from my mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, like all, all of the enemies in this game are also in Symphony of the Night. So okay, sure. It was. 
I was able to recognize everything because of that. It was actually slightly nostalgic going through a lot of the areas <laughs> and recognizing all the enemies. Like when you see the Axe Knights for the first time, it's like, oh, I know these guys. Yeah, that's from Symphony of the Night. Man, <laughs> yeah. some people are listening to this episode wanting to burn our houses right now. You know? <laughs> uh, the, orig- the original Castlevania game, Symphony of the Night. <laughs> Man, this Castlevania game really ripped off Symphony of the Night, didn't it, James? Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, over Overall, yeah, so I liked a lot of the pixel graphics in the background, particularly the outdoor areas, I think did a really good job. Um, But yeah, it never rose into brilliance. And there were some parts of the graphics that were just just terrible like like lazy almost it doesn't have that elegant touch to the visual style that symphony had right um no it's very the chrysalis is better is very stock standard cheesy 80s horror like uh there's skeletons and count dracula doesn't look exciting at all he just looks like a guy um i i was very unimpressed by the enemy design i thought it looked quite mediocre these older games really live or die by their art direction um, because, you know, obviously uh, they have no chance in f- raw quality. But, you know, a lot of the time we found that a good direction and good art style kind of carries it even to this day. I don't think that's the case here. It may be, James, that it's just too old. I mean, the thing about graphics and, you know, everything is you can go back far enough to the point where it's just too retro. And I think for me, that point is probably the Super Nintendo. Although, like you pointed out, Chrysalis's graphics are significantly better than this game's. Yeah. When I look at... There are Super Nintendo games I can look at the art for and say that's gorgeous. With this, I just can't... There's no real games on this era that I'm like, wow, this game is beautiful. And uh, <laughs> that's just unfortunate. I, I, think, I think it's a little better than you're giving it credit for, but I don't think it's fantastic. I think it goes from okay to you know decent and that's that's the highest it goes i just like that i got you to say something nice about crystalis <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's an impressive achievement in, a, in and of itself god damn it <laughs> patrick loves crystalis you hear heard it here first um so i guess you know there's not too much more to talk about this is a real simple short fun well somewhat fun game um did you want to wrap it up yeah sure so i'll give my final impressions um so basically overall in in the in the name of this show has cast as the original castlevania stood the test of time i have to say no it has not i think that when i play these platforming games that i need more control over my character and castlevania locks you into such a limited range of movements and gives you difficult projectiles to dodge that it just isn't a very enjoyable experience. And it's not like I'm incredibly opposed to restricted and limited control schemes. One of my favorite games of all time is Steven Sausage Roll, a puzzle game with one of the stupidest control schemes you've ever (laughs) heard, as James will attest to um, when you first start trying to use it. But it's used in a very deliberate fashion and the control scheme fits that the challenge is put in front of you. I think that given the difficulty of the projectile sort of dodging gameplay required, that this game needed a control scheme that better suited the, you know, the challenges that were in front of you. More big picture, I think that there are also, also some significant problems with the bosses, particularly death, which is this huge choke point. 
you either have oh, to get ridiculously... Oh, you don't ridiculously... like the death boss fight? I didn't <laughs> yeah, know this. No, I, I, this is the first time I've mentioned it. You either have to spend hours, I feel, grinding away at that boss fight, or you have to get the holy water and do a specific cheese, which I think is just bad, bad design. You should be able to just get through these games using the tools in front of you and use your abilities to overcome challenges, not just get have to get specific items on specific, on specific floors. Um... Outside of that, I think the game is decent. Um, you know, memorization as a as a way to learn things is not the best. But, you know, whipping enemies and moving left and right can be very satisfying. And I want to highlight once again that corridor before the death fight as, as an example of the gameplay that I really enjoyed, even though it was super difficult and took me a long time to get through it. Yeah. I wish I wish it had more moments like that where the precision of your movement left and right was emphasized because that's something that I had good control over. Whenever I needed to jump or deal with enemies above or below me, that's when this game sucked and you have to deal with that a lot. So unfortunately, cannot recommend Castlevania. I know it's a, got a strong historical legacy, but just play Symphony of the Night instead. <laughs> I'm sure there are people that are very upset with you for saying that. Yeah, I mean, so be it. Patrick... If somebody was interested in this game, would you recommend them buy it for $30? Absolutely not. No, because that's currently the best way to play it, you know, um, without being a naughty boy. Um, and I think that's actually, like, completely absurd. This game's worth, like, to me, if this game was on Steam, I'd pay, like, $2 for it. It's very old and very short, um, and it just, uh, it's got that Nintendo tax attached to it that I cannot get behind, but uh, assuming that you are okay with spending $30 for like a three-hour experience, um, I probably still can't recommend Castlevania 1 to you. There will be some people out there who actually will really enjoy the level of difficulty on display here. But for me, the the really shit difficulty curve and the uninteresting visual design and overall really mediocre boss fights and progression system didn't really do it for me. I There was bits that I really liked. Uh, Dracula, the final boss in particular, I felt immense pleasure when I finally beat him. But the entire last two platforming levels were just absurdly difficult uh, to the point of frustration um, and did not enjoy that at all. So unless you're really, really into that kind of, you know, grueling difficulty, I'd probably recommend to stay away from this game. Uh, the first few levels are actually quite fun, but again, like, if you're, if you're committing yourself to spending 30 bucks on this game, I definitely, definitely don't recommend doing that. Uh, the music is the best part. I would recommend giving the soundtrack a listen at least, mm -hmm. definitely. Completely agree. Um, but other than that, no, it, this is a pass from me. Okay, well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We are the Retrospectors podcast. Um, you can find us and all of our content on our website, rspodcast.net. We're available, you know, on all podcast catchers, iTunes, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. But you can find all of our stuff centralized there, in addition to a bunch of articles that I've written uh, related to the games we've played for the podcast and many other topics. Most importantly, uh, if you'd like to support the show, we'd love if you'd just come and join our Discord server. We love talking about retro games. We love play talking about new games. We love arguing about all of them and have gotten to many, <laughs> many, many uh, virtual 
actual fist fights over the value of different games. So if you have an opinion on any game we've played so far, we would love to hear it and engage you in the arena of game discussion. And if you would like to suggest a game that you think we would both fucking hate, feel free and we'll probably <laughs> play it and provide yeah, well, you hours of entertainment with our pain. Um, basically, as long as it's not a JRPG, I'm willing to entertain all suggestions. JRPGs? I love JRPGs and that's a great segue into uh, what game we're playing next fortnight so castlevania was a short game and you know usually we only play games that are around 15 hours long because we both work full-time however because castlevania was only three hours that opened up the floor to me getting to pick the long-awaited in- introduction to jrpgs on the show we've played you know i guess i guess vagrant story kind of counts as that but we haven't got to play a good old-fashioned three characters standing in a line turn-based combat game yet which <sighs> i uh, adore to bits and uh know that patrick fucking loathes so uh I've got a lot of Schadenfreude going in, going on to this next episode where uh, I hope to inflict a lot of pain on Patrick with my game that I'm choosing, which is Lunar Silver Star Story Complete, a JRPG on the PlayStation 1, which is actually a port of a Sega CD game um, that was actually well praised for its uh, very forward-thinking translation. Which is funny, because nowadays it is not praised for that at all, I can tell you that. But uh, when I laid my eyes on this game, I was in love. It looks like it has all the charm and adventure that I want out of a JRPG, while having a little bit more depth to its combat system through a bit of, you know, interesting positioning. So I'm hoping that uh, I love this game and that uh, Patrick hates it. <laughs> so I've started playing it. We, we, we started playing this a while ago, so we'd have time to finish it. And I know we're not meant to give spoilers, but can someone fucking shoot me right now? <laughs> Obviously, I haven't finished, so maybe this game will miraculously change. But I describe the intro of this game to people, and I cannot keep a straight face, and they can't keep a straight face either. It's so fucking bad. I hate James so much for putting me through this. He could have picked something like Chrono Trigger. He could have picked a good JRPG that everyone loves, and instead he picks this obscure shitty game that no one's ever heard of. We'll, we'll get into it next fortnight when I'm finished the game. Maybe at the halfway point, it miraculously becomes a masterpiece. I am not holding my breath. Oh, it was brilliant from the beginning, but uh, we'll have <sighs> to uh, we'll have to save this argument for next time on the Retrospectors podcast. Have a good one, everyone.